welcome to the Postmodern Family Podcast, the Postmod Pod. This is episode five, and I'm Felipe. I'm Lillian. And we are live uh, from England. And as usual, we will begin with uh, the icebreakers. And after the icebreakers, we will do our three stories each. So let me just, uh, why don't you chat them up a little bit while I find these icebreakers. Sure. Um, you guys might be wondering what we are doing because normally on this Postmodern Family channel, we do reaction videos, but we have started a podcast called Postmod Pod and you can find it on somewhere on YouTube. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts and etc. I think I need to bring my mic Closer, careful. And I don't know if it's my audio through my headset, but that was just a bit too loud. I was too loud? On mine. You're too loud. Yeah, Yeah. that does look like... Okay. Yeah. There we go. Okay, we're ready with the icebreaker. Thanks for that space filler. No problem. Now, the next question is, the zombie apocalypse is coming. Who are three people you want on your team? Okay, Who are three people you want... Do they have to be real people or like fictional characters? Oh, fine, go with fake or real. It'll indicate something personally about you okay. based on your choices. Look at your hand is blocking my face over there. What are we discussing and this is not today? A good okay. Angle of my face. Layton, Layton asks, what are we discussing today? You will see. We'll do three stories. I'll pick three stories and Lillian will do three stories and we will discuss. And we shall take comments at any time because we will be live through the whole time. Now. Okay. I guess because I don't know very many people alive who are really good at life skills. So I would say Robinson Crusoe because he probably can okay. build things in the wild. Yeah. And, um, and then it'd have to be another woman to pair up with him. So oh, I, I would say I my friend Natasha because she seems very fertile in having but she's got a children. husband. Well, this is obviously. Oh, you're saying you're saying if that then I don't know what I'm saying then. Okay, another one. Let's do a twenty um, some year old high fertility attractive woman okay. who's not going to lure a my hypo- husband away. A hypothetical. Okay, I see. <laughs> not going to lure me away. Okay, right. You got your two. Okay, here we go. So, um, Well, you have three. You don't have to choose your spouse. I know, I know. But look at this. The zombie apocalypse will not last forever. So it's not like these are going to be the last four people on Earth, okay, okay, who have to repopulate the whole civilization. All right, I missed the question. So that was, it was just the zombie apocalypse is upon you. Who do you pick on your team? Three people. That's it. Okay, I'm going to change my answer. There's no no redos and backtracks and redos. Okay, so I'll pick... Uh, Jocko, the former Navy SEAL. Oh, okay. Um, uh, clearly, you're on the team, so there's just one space for one more guy. And that one more guy is probably, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, an Jason MMA. Bourne. No, 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 no. Yeah, the fictional Jason Bourne. There yes. it is. The fictional Jason Which Bourne. Which one? Which one from? Oh, just Matt Damon's. The character. Matt Damon character. Not the um other one. What's his name? Uh, I don't know. No, no, no. Forget Jason Bourne. I will pick Jason Stedham. Stedham. So the Brit, the British. Oh yeah. Actor. The hitman who, guy. Yeah. He's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. That's the icebreakers. 
Sorry, the first story is not from the United States. The first story is about Boris's statements at the G7. They're very curious statements he has uh, made today. Um, all appearances are off the cuff, which is his usual style. So let's uh, let's see how we're getting on here. Let me pause this. I had lowered my volume all the way because I was live. So here we go. I think that is what uh, the people of the uh, of our countries now want us to to focus on. They want us to be sure that we're beating the pandemic together and discussing how we'll never have a repeat of what we've seen, but also that we're building back better together and, and building back greener and building back fairer and building back more equal and uh, how shall I, more, in, in, in a more gender neutral and perhaps like a more feminine way. How about that? Apart from anything else, so uh, those are some of the objectives what that we have before us at, at Carbis Bay. I think that is what the people. Have okay, done. so did did everyone uh, get that? Let me jump back into the YouTube Live and lower my volume. Okay, so uh, Boris there is on record as saying that the Great Reset is real. That after the pandemic, we're going to rebuild civilization in a better image than we found it. And that image will consist of gender neutrality, environmentally friendly, and more feminine. More feminine. What do you think that means? I think he was thinking about the men being more feminine. That's what I think. The because, men? Okay. Like... He doesn't because he's a man, he doesn't want to impose, he doesn't want to be too masculine, toxic masculinity. So I think he was just thinking in his head that he should be more feminine or men should be more feminine. Because right. I don't think he's saying that women should be more feminine. Not at all. So how do you build back something in a more feminine way? How, go ahead, just tell us. Uh, in a feminine way. Yeah, in a more feminine way. Is that going to work? <laughs> this is worse. Here we go. You just get Lillian. I hope that audio is even better. This is the worst angle of my face. I'm trying to get the audio. You, you should just go back over there. No, that's too far. Oh. All right. Well, um, how do you build back more feminine? I, I don't think he was actually saying that we should build back more feminine. So... Okay. I think he had a mishmash of words, and I think some slogans were stuck in his head, like "the future is female." And then he just started like blurting out things that sounded. So like you think that. it was just gobbledygook? Yeah. I think he was just trying to mutter a series of catchphrases mm -hmm. that would make exactly. him seem amenable to the press. And to the people listening to him there. Mm -hmm. He wasn't speaking to the common man. He was speaking to the G7 leaders and to the university elites and to the press. And uh, I don't think he says what he means or means what he says. Yeah. So what a joke. What an embarrassment. Okay. Now. Oh, thanks, Paul. Let's see if any of our people have any comments. Let's see here. What do we say? Does Boris uh, want Angela Merkel to be more feminine? Mm, that would mm. be actually an impossible magic trick <laughs> to accomplish. 
Um, let's see. I think Boris had a stroke. Um, okay. It's strange world we live in. Now a more feminine broadcast, Paul Barker says, because mm. you're the fun. Okay, here we go. Next story. Next story is story two. Do you need to explain to anyone what G7 is? What the G7 No, the G7, is? the common man knows what the G7. What does it stand for, though? Um, just global? G- the global seven, I think. I don't know. I'm global elite you know. seven. Okay, that was um, that was story one. The, um, the second story comes from the U.S. It appears to be a school board meeting. This is the tweet. Angry parent at school board meeting. Uh, comments on a new sex book which is being introduced to five-year-olds. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so let's see what she has to say about sex education for her five-year-olds. She came to your school when she procures bids for ISU with construction and came to your school and spoke to your staff for two straight days. Why did she do that? This is why she did that. This is why she did that. To make sure that when our students want to know whether or not they have a vagina or a penis, they have pictures from your staff to be able to help them. They don't have enough sex. They don't have enough anal sex. They need adults to tell them how to masturbate. And what I call that is... So here's what I'm asking you. You have a hard time hearing this from me, but this is for for 10 years old and up, and this bill was passed for five-year-olds. And you have a hard time me sitting here telling you the words anal sex, masturbation. That's hard for you or the time's up because the time's not really up. I don't believe you, Mr. Wiley, that my time is up. But I'm going to end with this. I'll, I'll close with this because this was too much for you. I can tell right now. And that's why you're cutting me off. But last time I said, you know what? Critical race theory. Little girl in the back was laughing every single time Megan said something because white people oppress black people, right? Is it your principal black? Is it your mayor black? Now I would like to introduce to you Ty. So where is this from? Where is this? This is, um, I can't tell from the accent, but uh, it seems like Midwest. Okay. It doesn't say. So there's some some school board meeting in which, um, in which um, I guess a bill has been passed to authorize the material that has been previously been used for 10-year-olds mm-hmm. to pass on to 5-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And she showed pictures of the material and described the material that was already in distribution for 10-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And that distribution descri- described how to masturbate, how to have anal sex, etc. And so that bill that she was objecting to was now being discussed for uh, – or is now going to be taught to five-year-olds. That's crazy. So my question is, firstly, as an educator or former public school educator mm-hmm. in the U.S., did you have any run-ins with um, sex education? No, no, I didn't. Mm. I was really grateful because I my um, I taught in an elementary school, which is primary school, up to age 10. And I was a music teacher and the the school that I was in was predominantly middle to lower class um, Christian co- uh, population, Catholic, actually. So I never felt any problems just teaching 
as you would for music, the classical mm-hmm. Mozart and Beethoven. How about when you were in the school system? At what age did you get graphic illustrations of genitalia? That was in middle school. So that was age, um, wait, that's eight grade is 12, 11 or 12, 11, something like that. Okay. From- and it was really awkward. Mm. Like sh- they would show the screen and a diagram of what parts For were. me, it was uh, PE, physical education, and not until high school. So this is uh, mid-90s, so about 1995, yeah. 1996. And they had a that old projector style with the images yeah, that yeah, rotated yeah. around a carousel. And they showed pictures of penises, pictures of vaginas, and pictures of how they would be together that way. And at the end of that lesson, she had a big fishbowl of condoms. And really? Said, yeah. Take what you need. Uh, you don't have to pay for it. It's all free. So uh-huh. that was my – so it seems like the education, the sex education has gotten younger, younger and younger. younger and younger. And now it's hitting in the U.S., at the five-year-old level, which is it the case that it's already at the five-year-old level here. It was going to start in to September. Our, to our uh, audience members from the channel, what at what age are the um, the children learning about sex education? Yeah, what age are children learning about sex I just, education? I just know that um, the statutory RSE. Uh, was supposed to come into effect September 2020, but because of COVID, it got pushed back. And that did include lessons all the way down to age four. Mm. So Sex education lessons. Yeah, sex education lessons in terms of body parts and um, right. and family um, makeup. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. How many dads? What's normal? moms? Et cetera. What's normal? So clearly this is now hitting uh, in the U.S. and the parents seem to be uh, massively – hello, folks – the parents seem to be massively pushing back. 13, someone says. I doubt it. I think it's younger. Um, so the parents seem to be pushing back valiantly, it seems, sort mm-hmm. of sort of uh, rebuking the superintendents, so much so that the superintendent was squirming and saying, I'm uncomfortable with this discussion. And yeah. she's rightly saying, if you're uncomfortable, can you imagine my five-year-old or can mm-hmm. you imagine my 10-year-old? So what is this overall agenda about? What do you think? I don't know. Oh, someone says, flirty girl says, nursery age. Mm. My friend's daughter left her job because of it. Wow. That So that's like age three in nursery age. Yeah. Under, under four. What is that? Are they they're showing penises to three-year-olds, four-year-olds? That's, that's crazy. That is crazy. So what do you think the broader agenda is? What's your theory? Why, why push sex education? Firstly, why do they claim to push it? But secondly, why do you think they really are pushing it? Because what they say is the reason mm-hmm. isn't really the real reason. Mm-hmm. So I think the the reason that they say is just so that they think that it's preventative for um, casual sex or pregnancies, teenage pregnancies. They think that the younger someone knows about something and learns mm-hmm. about something, that the more that they can resist it. And have studies proven that to be true? The inverse, actually. So studies Mm. have shown that... The more sex education you give kids, the more sex they have. That's right. Yes, that's right. Isn't that that ironic? Isn't it ironic? (laughs) (laughs) So it's the opposite case. So so the the hypothesis that if you give sex education to children, they are going to be 
Yes, they are available to order. These mugs. <laughs> These mugs are available to order. Uh, they're a bit pricey, but worth every penny because they go to fund the channel and what we do here. So that they're on teespring.com slash stores slash the postman family. Yes. Something like and that. to all our podcast listeners, you can buy them too. Okay. So I th- so clearly the hypothesis that the more sex education you give, the more uh, chase or the, yeah. more, the less sex they're going to have. Not even uh, the less it, sex. It's just about preventing, contrace- uh, preventing conception. So preventing mm. pregnancies. So they don't care if you have a lot of sex. That's why they're giving you condoms. Oh, I see. So they're trying to prevent prevent pregnancies. pregnancies. So isn't it the case that I've heard teenage pregnancies are going down and down and down? Mm -hmm. Is it teenage pregnancies or is it teenage births? Because I don't know. Who knows? Because abortion could easily be handling the reduction of birth in teenage daughters. That's right. I don't know which one it is. Okay. I think I think but what has clearly been happening is the increase of sex. sexual promiscuity. Yeah. So and I think that's sex. how they initially brought it into the curriculum. They said if you educate them, they're going to be more careful mm-hmm. and they're not going to have as much sex because they see that diseases are rampant, pregnancies yeah. are risk. They see all the real world damages that could happen if you have sex so they'll choose not to yeah but they're actually not teaching the real world damages of anal sex uh so unfortunately they're wrong in that aspect Mm. they're hiding that part of it Mm. okay and then my hypothesis for the real reason Mm -hmm. the real reason which might have been conjured up long ago and lost in the midst of time is that the more you debauch the children, the more they grow up to be debauched adults, the weaker they are morally in their convictions and their courage. So in fact, enemies of a country have easily and quickly latched on to the strategy of debauching their enemy society Mm. because Everyone knows that a man addicted to porn, a man addicted to masturbation, a man addicted to sex is a man that will not jump out of the rampart Mm -hmm. and march into the no man's land Mm -hmm. and charge the enemy. And so it is directly correlated that a sexually debauched society is a society that is weakened from defending its freedoms. Mm -hmm. And so that's why China has incurred into Hollywood. What do you say to that theory? Well, I wonder if – I don't know if it's about attacking or other countries attacking other countries, but I think it's about the growth of a, the government. So the people in power want more power and you get more power by having more people rely on you. And you mm-hmm. know – people know that the more um, families are broken down – uh, then they rely more on the government. So women who get pregnant outside of wedlock or marriage, then they mm-hmm. end up having to most, not most, but many end up having to rely on government to give them money uh, so that they can survive mm. because they didn't they didn't secure a husband beforehand. So I think it just creates a little bit of um, the the family unit has broken down. And therefore, the government has to step in mm-hmm. and hand out, give out more handouts, and therefore, its power grows. And so, I think I think that it's not necessarily um, country against country. I think it's possibly that the people in power want more power. 
But there's no... So you're saying that this is just another instrument in separating children from their parents? No, no, no. This is about people relying on the government. Okay. How are they relying more on government by getting sex education? Because then they end up having children out of wedlock because they're increasing the amount of... So you're saying government want more children out of wedlock so that more people rely on government handouts? Yes. I think that might be partly true. Um, but that's also true for the the men on the on the side of men, where um, so many men have been in financial ruin because of things like yeah. divorce and. I think it's it's probably the the more sensible non conspiratorial wait cons conspiracy conspiration. There isn't there a modification to conspiracy that makes conspiratorial? it conspiratorial. Conspiratorial, the non conspiratorial explanation is simply that. People who engage in debauchery want others to engage in debauchery. Okay, that's true. Sin begets sin. And so the person who is debauched cannot fathom or cannot um, countenance the presence of people not sinning around them. They must mm-hmm. be sinning in the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's a blend, I think, of reasons, um, all which amount to the weakening of society. So it's – you have – People who are just indulging in, in in sexual debauchery, who want others to indulge in sexual debauchery, all the while weakening a country. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Anyway, let's get to my final story. Uh, story is actually our good old friend, uh, former prime minister, uh, the lovely Theresa May. <laughs> the lovely Theresa May is actually – Saying something that I agree with. Uh, it's a very rare occasion in life. but So I figure when I found it, I might as well play it. It's very good. Here we go. We will not eradicate COVID-19 from the UK. There will not be a time when we can say that there will never be another case of COVID-19 in this country. Secondly, variants will keep on coming. There will be new variants every year. If the government's position is that we cannot open up travel until there are no new variants elsewhere in the world, then we will never be able to travel abroad ever again. And the third fact that the government needs to state much more clearly is that sadly people will die from COVID here in the UK in the future, as 10 to 20,000 people do every year from flu. It's incomprehensible, I think, that one of the most heavily vaccinated countries in the world is one that is most reluctant to give its citizens the freedoms those vaccinations should support. Okay, so she's clearly uh, critiquing the government for its position, critiquing the position which is, oh, we can't open up until we have controlled all the variants. Is that really what they're saying now? That's what – well, look, they've delayed the quote. It's so stupid to call it Freedom Day. I hate calling it Freedom Day because it's as though freedom is a gift from government and we should be thankful for it. And so government is giving it back to us. That's just all bollocks to me. So she's saying, look, that she's critiquing the fact that it it's now been leaked or purposely leaked that there's zero percent chance that Jan, that June 21st will be the day which we come out of all the measures. That's and that's going to be pushed to July at some point. And so it seems like in in Parliament she's critiquing that, saying the premise of that of that move is that. We can't get freedom until all the variants are under control. Right. And she's rightly saying there will al- there will be always the next variant. There will be the of next course. variant. And so to think – so she's saying 
it, she's actually doing a better job than uh, the opposition government. Let me turn this light yeah, off hey, that I accidentally turned on. Um, she's doing a better job than opposition government, I think, than Keir Starmer, Stammer or whatever his name is, mm. <laughs> who's just – his opposition has been go harder, Boris. You haven't gone hard that, enough. That's, that's you know, it's like that. That lockdown hasn't been long enough. Is that opposition? Or uh, you need to uh, mandate vaccines rather than just give them the choice. So it's been it's been a harder authoritarian critique. Do so you this, think? Do you think Theresa May is clever? Does she know that? Do you think this is her way back into the? Yeah, prime ministership? like does she? Maybe she somehow gauged the population, realizing that she needs to you know, come back a little bit and and push back against the government measures and all this stuff and that people will love her for it. 99 Red Pills has been making a lot of good comments tonight. He says it's probably the best argument she's made for 20 years. May is normally awful. So I, I think, yeah. Someone has avi- advised her well so, <laughs> on yeah, this move. She might be, I don't know, I don't think based on her Brexit, performance that Mm. she stands a chance of coming back uh but you know never say never but um yeah what i find interesting about that critique was that she's right that we'll never get a handle on the variants but she's wrong in saying that the vaccines are the ticket to freedom well that's Uh, what the government has been saying that's what she's saying is that the government is being contradictory it's being yeah mm. the government has said before the vaccine is our our ticket out of lockdown they've said that like word for word and then the vaccines have been rolled out and now they're like oh we can't you still have to wear your mask you still have to socially distance uh you still have to abide by all the rules and then you, I don't know if some of them even have to get a negative test. I don't know yeah. um, before traveling. Yeah. So they like they say. Um, I've been listening to the book by Laura Dodsworth, "A State of Fear." Yeah. You guys need to read this book if you haven't already. Your very own British um, journalist, Laura Dodsworth, and she has said that it, the government has clearly continuously moved the goalposts. Right. So they say the goalpost is. Three weeks, and then we'll lift the lockdown, right? Three weeks to flatten the curve, right? And that was over a year ago. And then they moved it over to, well, I don't know, the vaccine was the next mm. thing mm. that I remember, the mm. major thing. Then mm. the vaccine was rolled out, and then now they're like, oh, and well, s- we need to stop. And so the new goalpost is control all the variants? I think so. I don't even know. Mm. It doesn't even make sense because and so- you can't. You can't control the variants. Yeah, and it seems that this is – shortening and shortening the time we have before the next COVID season. Yes. So COVID season begins, what, August? That's what they say. I don't know. So it'll be fourth wave. We'll be back in lockdown. No, it's got to be more like September, October. August is still still, um, uh, still warm, I think. Shawnee, what are you drinking? So, yeah, um, that was my last story. I think um, think the – it's appalling to think that we should be thankful for the gift of freedom from government. That's just not English. Not is it not only is it not American, but it is not English from a big tradition of Magna Carta all the way all the way to uh, George King Henry VIII. We have a long tradition of wrangling back our freedoms from despots who would who would rule us dictatorially. And so to think that authoritarian rule on the justification of vax of, of COVID um, 
is justified and that we should be thankful for the crumbs of freedom they give us is is absolutely absurd. Okay, so that was my three stories and we're about the halfway point, so you might as well Oh no, I have to hand over my phone. Yeah, so I can uh, read my Okay. We don't, I figure next time mm. we will just live stream on that that one over there as well as record. It'll just record it the automatically. Video. Oh yeah. yeah. And it'll run the the audio. Yeah, straight to the thing. Why didn't we think of that before? I thought of it, but I didn't want to create a new link and confuse all of our viewers again. Mm. Yet again. Okay, so my story. Man, that's a brilliant idea. I know. Two with one stone, and here we are struggling. Next oh. time, next time. So As this I said, one... it's our first time doing this. Exactly. So be patient. All right, this one is going to be cringe. I'm just going to warn you. It has to do with the guy, Jeffrey Tubin, who masturbated on Zoom and then got fired. Well, he was welcomed back on CNN. And they. Oh, very, he was a CNN correspondent. Very cringely explained what happened. He's there stand, mm. sitting there looking at her. So I'm going to try and play it for you guys. Um, and. Here we go, Hi, back to the Hello, beginning. Allison. Let's bring in CNN Chief Legal Analyst Jeffrey Tubin to talk about this and more. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. It has been a while, indeed. I feel wow. like we should address um, what's happened in the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers may not know what has happened. So uh, I guess I'll recap. Wow, I'll do the honors. It. How <laughs> embarrassing. yourself. Okay. Um, in October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from the New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on camera. Uh, you were subsequently fired from that job after 27 years of working there. And you, since then, have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right, sad to say. Okay, so let's start there. Okay. Um, to quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? Well, obviously, uh, I wasn't thinking very well or very much. And um, it was something that was inexplicable to me. I think one point, I, I wouldn't exactly say in my defense, because nothing is really in my defense. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. You so, thought that you had turned off your camera? Correct. Uh -huh. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Now, that's not a defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible. But, I mean, that, that, is, part of, that, that is part of the story. Um, and, you know, I have spent the seven subsequent months, miserable months in my life, I can certainly confess. Um, oh, trying to baby. be a better person. I mean, in therapy, trying to do some public service, um, working in a food bank, which I certainly Doing mean, continue to do, working on a new book about the Oklahoma City bombing. But I am trying to become the kind of person that people... Okay. Whoa. So... So he's trying to come back. Yeah. So what, what's tweet. the point? What's the point of the story? Of, of, well, of you had mentioned actually. I think it was in story one where you're talking about how men are addicted to porn, masturbation, and that weakens society. And it just, I think, I think a lot of people are mm. addicted. Oh yeah. And therefore, it weakens 
our whole society and um, including these people like he represented them on CNN. But anyway, what was he? I mean, clearly he said he wasn't thinking, but why would you then take a break to in the middle of they were just taking a break between conference? Yeah. The thing, the thing. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing is, is um, it it's clear that every man in the fallen condition that he is born in, is born with the propensity to sexualize every woman he sees. There are um, mental mechanics that go on, uh, images of what would she look like naked, what would she look like if this was so happening. So you think he was thinking of that of one of his colleagues? It's, yeah, it's very, it's very well possible. So you, 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 have one, you have two choices to make about yourself as a man. Either you let those mental mechanics that you're born with uh, rule you and govern you and lead your thought life or you govern them and you curtail them and you manage them. Uh, And so I think the advent of pornography uh, and the advent of the sexualization of society has signaled to men that it's okay to run wild with those mental mechanics. And so he probably, yeah, saw someone on the call that he imagined in a certain way and decided to uh, take care of business. So do you think it was handled properly? Do you think that he should have, that he was fired, like he said, for seven months and that now he's back? Do you think that was the proper move? No, uh, I think um, in my, well... Well, yes and no. I think if he would have said, I failed miserably, um, I have sexualized my mind, and I repent of that, and now I will try to – I have committed to reforming myself and not sexualizing every woman I see, and I've stopped masturbating altogether. Um, And if that was handled privately uh, with him and his bosses, then I would be – consider i would consider allowing him back but to put him back in a public post to um to ferry him in front of the camera again and confess all this it's basically saying it's okay it's making light of it it. the lady wasn't even awkward about it when she described it no exactly she was just very humorous and so i think that's that's where we've got in this the point of this of our society where She's basically saying this is normal. Sorry you got caught out. It was bad timing. But this is normal. And I don't know if that's really what we should be encouraging in our society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just another symptom of a debauched society. There's my halo again. Sorry, guys. I'm that saintly. So I think, yeah, that's just a symptom. And it's an embarrassment that... um, that they've made light of it. Okay, so now we're on my second story. Yeah. And this is... How does the audio sound, guys? Do you like that? Leave your comments. I think it's going to be much clearer. I think so, too. Okay, this is a tweet that says, This woman deserves endless retweets. Ooh, this it's, sounds like it's going to be a very virtuous American, thing. This is American. No, this is not sarcastic. Oh, okay. This is real. Oh, okay. This is from Florida. Oh, the best state in the union, baby. 
Thank you for having me uh, speak. My name is Keisha King. I'm a mom of two, one who's in the Duval County public school system and one in private school thanks to school choice. I'm also a member of Moms for Liberty, uh, representing thousands of parents. Just coming off of May 31st, marking the 100 years of the Tulsa riots, it is sad that we are even contemplating something like critical race theory, where children will be separated by their skin color and deemed permanently oppressors or oppressed in 2021. That is not teaching the truth, unless you believe that whites are better than blacks. I have personally heard teachers teaching CRT, and we have had an assembly shut down because Duval County Public School System consultant thought it would be a great idea to separate students by race. This is unacceptable. Wow. CRT is not racial sensitivity or simply teaching unfavorable American history or teaching Jim Crow history. CRT is deeper and more dangerous than that. CRT and its outworking today is a teaching that there is a hierarchy in society where white, male, heterosexual, able-bodied people are deemed the oppressor and anyone else outside of that uh, status is oppressed. That's why we see corporations like Coca-Cola asking their employees to be less white, which is ridiculous. I don't know about you, but telling my child or any child that they are in a permanent oppressed stat uh, status in America because they are black is racist and saying that white people are automatically above me, my children or any child is racist as well. This is not something that we can stand for in our country. And don't take it from me, look at the writers of these types of uh, publications. Our ancestors, white, black and others hung, bled and died right alongside each other to push America towards that more perfect union. If this continues, we will look back and be responsible for the dismantling of the greatest country in the world by reverting to teaching hate and that race is a determining factor on where your destiny lies. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. So in case you didn't know, critical race theory is the latest hot thing. Everyone wants to teach or talk about, and then other ones hate it, absolutely hate it and think it's wrong. Um, we don't think that it's the right thing to teach young children or even normal adults. <laughs> um, critical race theory, like she said, it puts people based on race in a category of oppressed and the oppressor. And if you constantly say to someone who is dark-skinned that they're oppressed, that you're basically telling them that they are a victim no matter what their skin color, I mean, no matter what they do, just the fact that their color of the skin is darker or black, that they're going to be oppressed. And you can't, you can't raise children like that to think that they're always going to be victims. That's just impossible. And it's wrong. <laughs> is it working? Is it? Can yes, you guys it hear is. Us? They said they, they hear us loud and clear. Can you hear my very sonorous? Sonorous. 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 That's my new name. Sonorous. <laughs> Sonorous Notorious voice. Sonorious. Sonorious B.I.G. That's my, <laughs> that's my, uh, that's my name. Your rapper name. That's my rapper name. So, um, what do I have to say about that? I think it's interesting that it's, it appears to be mainly the mama bears. Uh oh, what's going on? Sorry, here? I was, I hit the wrong button there. Here we go again. I think it's interesting, uh, that it's the mama bears that are. Usually, I don't know if it's just them being pushed on Twitter. No, I don't think, I think. Or it's only them actually standing up. But where are the fathers? 
Well, you didn't, you probably, you maybe didn't see the video, but not only was she female, but she was also black and very mm. dark skinned black. Not so, just black, but very dark skinned black. You have to point this out. <laughs> Why because, do you have to point that out? Because they, because she's in their category of oppressed and victim. And if she was white and if she was male, they would be like, you're not allowed to say anything. You okay. can't say anything. Okay. So you have to choose someone who's of the victim class to speak out and say, no, so you're this saying whole thing is wrong. The previous one that we viewed on sexual education, it was a white mom. Yeah. Um, and but I've seen a female. And I've seen others. Clearly, she's a mom. There's yeah. only, uh, only, I know, I only know. females can be moms, by I know. the way, in case you didn't I'm know. just identifying mm. the, the part of her that makes her in the oppressed category right. that allows her to then speak out. Yeah. So then you're saying you have to have a card. You have to be carrying a card no, that authorizes you, you to speak, either being female or being black or both. You don't have to, but for some reason it gives the leftists more that, that you have more credibility. Mm. Okay? So you can have someone like Jordan Peterson who is male and white speaking out against this. He's very intellectual and he's correct. But mm. at the same They're gonna, time – He's going to be ignored. He's going to be ignored by the screaming leftists. Okay, fine. So the, you're saying that's what explains only the moms – Standing up. I think so. You think if a father stood up, they'd just shout him down or push yeah, him away. Yeah, they would say it's toxic masculinity. Uh, you're you're I'm privileged. I'm going to show you some toxic masculinity right now. So the other comment I have to say is of a historical nature. Now, ever since, in the U.S. at least, uh, the education of the children have been in the hands of government. There have been previous fights uh, for the curriculum um, over the children. Mm -hmm. fights that even went to the Supreme Court. Um, the most memorable one for me, I can't remember the case. Maybe our commentators can uh, remind me. But the case on Darwin, the case on evolution, um, there was a big case either 70s or 60s in the U.S. in which a family uh, sued the school district for teaching evolution. And that case famously made it to a high-level court and um, that family was painted to be laughable, backwards, etc. And and the case stood, evolution would be taught. Um, and so the battle for the the battle of curriculums, if you will, mm -hmm. is is a long battle. Mm -hmm. And the let's just label that battle as progressive, not not progressive liberalism, mm -hmm. but in the right sense of progressive, that it's it's meant to be it's progressive. It's it meant to be progressing in the right direction. Yes, in the right let's direction. call it. And so this is just progressive education. Mm -hmm. Um and the purveyors of CRT and of sexual gender. debauchery and gender theory that it that all those things that are being pushed onto the children are just forebearers of or, or bearers of the tradition of progressive curriculum right and so they're just they're standing on the shoulders of people who have pushed the progression of curriculum mm -hmm. so what makes us think this just has echoes for me echoes of families that objected to evolution probably echoes of families who objected to the removal of prayer in schools mm -hmm. um what makes us think we're going to win this battle is the question because I, I, because the honestly, progressive education has won every time agree and i think it's lost. I think the battle has been lost. And that's why I think people should homeschool their kids or start their own schools with people that they know and trust. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we can trust the government with our children anymore. What say the, uh, the listeners on the YouTube? 
do you trust your children with the government schools? <laughs> Comment. Okay, so what is your third and final story? All right. Third and final this. story, chaps. I hope okay. The, I think we've nailed this now. Okay. Okay, so this third and final story is, has got to do with this trend now to find recipes on how to eat cicadas. Is that how it's called? Are those insects? Cicadas? Yeah. They're cicadas. In, yeah. Cicadas. C-I-C-A-D-A-S. Cicada. So um, here's just a little... Now this recipe on Here's how to Here's now a little plate of <laughs> appetizers. <laughs> Chocolate-covered cicadas. Okay. Cicadas. I'll, I'll have to read it out to you. It says, this store is selling chocolate-covered cicadas. But when you combine the chocolate, the cinnamon, and the nuttiness of the bugs, it really gives you that like holiday feeling when you're walking around a big city and they're roasting nuts on the sidewalk and you have that cinnamon smell. It's really what it tastes like. Did she like. say cinnamon? <laughs> X cicadas recently emerged after 17 years underground. This year, several chefs have tried to use them in their cooking. Are these chefs Jared French? Wire owns Chouquette Chocolates. And the French will the eat anything. of cicadas as a chance to try something new. They'll eat roadkill. Grab a bug, roll it in the chocolate, and then I did go to uh, pastry school in Paris to in learn Paris? my dipping technique. Ooh, in Paris. I'm pretty sure no oh. one thought I would be using it on cicadas. Cicadas. Okay. While many people call her venture unique, Dwyer says she believes bug protein will continue to grow in popularity. There's not enough protein to go around, and I think, Ooh, you know, protein I really around. do think that this will be something that in, in 2038, people will not think twice about eating bugs at all. Mm, each bug is collected by Dwyer and her employees by hand. Shadow. They collect them in paper Duh. bags, and they're showing us them live right now, and before bringing them back to the shop to freeze and clean them. Oh my goodness. That sounds revolting. Okay, and then no keep offense, watching to learn how to fry your own cicadas. They already died. They were frozen. And then we just want to clean them really quickly, just like you would a fish or anything else that you wanted to eat from outside. And then we just bring them over here. To the air fryer. You want to put them in the air fryer. So we put a little oil on we still them, need but an not air fryer. much. We don't have and then we dust them with a little cinnamon. Ooh. We should put that on our list. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna shake it up. Gross. Oh. They look like cockroaches. Once we put them in the air That's fryer. That's what I thought, yeah. This one for probably about eight minutes at 400. I did have to figure all this out. 400 degrees so Fahrenheit. This is how coronaviruses are made, really folks. Right here. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, this is the trend. Is that, that over now? Yes. Okay, so what's what's your interest in the story? So obviously this has been a trend for several weeks, months now maybe, yeah. about the cicadas and about how to eat them and how to prepare them. And it just reminds me of the way things are progressing in terms of um, the government or I don't know who is trying to push people to eat less meat. Okay, uh -huh. so plant-based burger patties in... Where we, you know, McDonald's and Burger King and 
um, plant-based chicken in KFC. And then there's this, eating bugs and stuff. So I don't know if you guys know, but they've been eating bugs in China for a long time now. And it's true. In the markets, they would have just on sticks, you could eat roasted bugs. Yes. Um, and that was kind of normal for them. So you ate that. Did you eat that? No, I don't think I had any. How would they prepare it? On the grill or something? No, they were, uh, yeah, maybe on the grill. They were roasted. So they just, they roasted. popped them on like a like a shish kebab stick. Yeah. And okay. then um, would roast so them. So it's a, a roach kebab it's stick. It's kind of like a, it's a crunchy snack. Um, but anyway, I just think that it, it just makes me think why. It makes me wonder. Why are people pushing us to eating less meat? And it basically, I think it has to do with the the mm-hmm. the environment, right? It has to do with climate This is change. interesting. So Jim West says the shrimp are effectively sea insects. And I've heard this. My dad used to say, look, look, mate, um, don't eat shrimp because they're the cockroaches of the sea. And What about lobsters then? I think they're big insects of the sea. <laughs> But think they of have, it. They have, they have flesh inside, though. Is it flesh, though? It's meat inside. You call can it you, meat. Can you open an, an insect and inside will it look like what's inside the shrimp? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. But 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 what's behind this whole push of insects? Well, I what's think, the nefarious I think intention? No, I think it's the climate change lobby. I think they think that if you eat cows and sheep that all of the what is it methane that the cows fart out is causing yeah um, climate change so they're saying that so so bill gates is buying a load of land in the u.s or has already bought farmland and others um loads of land which i guess will grow protein replacement goods and then i saw a tweet today that i don't know if this is real or not but that you can see his pl- his potato farm from space uh growing McDonald's potatoes. <laughs> yeah, the four McDonald's that you could see it from space. It's you so could big. see a potato farm for McDonald's from space. That's owned by Bill Gates. Oh right. That's so he what, supplies potatoes to McDonald's? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. That's what I saw on a, a tweet that I was just scanning through. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> but I do think there again, I'm not uh, a, a proponent of big conspiracy theories because I think it's it's hard to align uh, various numbers of people to do the same thing and keep quiet about it. But I do think there definitely is a general trend whereby people want to replace meat uh, for for v for for moral reasons. Yeah, and, and those moral reasons are twofold, right? First, it started out with animal rights and. Cows have rights and yeah. cows have – because they have uh, – because they feel pain, they right. should be spared death. Um, they should be spared pain. But and so, see, that just goes against the whole abortion then. Don't babies feel pain? Of course they do. No, it doesn't go against abortion because to them, babies are not living entities. They're just um, – But they feel pain. No, they're just a growth on the woman's body. But they body. feel pain. The growth feels what pain is what they would say. So um, yeah, it's it's a it's a hyp- it's a hypocritical standard. Of course, it is. So it started out with oh we should spare cows pain, mm-hmm. and then it started out with oh we need to save the planet from global warming, right? Because um, of the CO two, right? But it, it is all up. part of the agenda, the age old agenda of the a minority of people trying to rule the majority of people. 
Um, and that's not so bad if the minority of people are virtuous and have virtuous intentions. Um, but I just don't understand why why eat less meat. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's it's can ludicrous. You, can you imagine we meet every day. A point in the future. Every day. Can you imagine a point in the future where you would be looked down upon by most the majority of people if you ate meat? Like if can you imagine like going to McDonald's and everything there is just plant based? No, I can't imagine that. Do you think that will happen? I don't know. I don't know anymore. But I think there will always be people who uh, who eat meat. And they will have a step up. They will have an advantage genetically. Of course. Um, Your body is made to eat meat. And um, That's why we have these um, types of teeth. Yeah. I think meat is the future. Don't, don't they teach that in school still? Like about identifying omnivores, carnivores, and herbivores yeah. and by the, their teeth? Yes. But, um, but if they... I think if they um, force yeah. the human race to wean itself off of meat, they're, they're going to have to force the rest of the animal kingdom, clearly. So sharks are going to have to go on a vegan diet. Uh, orca whales, lions, <laughs> tigers, alligators. What's next? <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> so that was your third and last story. Yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what did we cover? We covered Theresa May critiquing government for its push on Freedom Day, unironically stated, Freedom Day. Boris Johnson was the first We heard about Boris Johnson and his stupid blubbering comment that the future will be more feminine and more gender neutral. Like, does he not realize? We heard a parent object to the indoctrination of their five five to ten-year-olds in sexual debauchery. And then from you, we heard about cicadas. What is it? Cicadas. Cicadas as the future protein protein source. We heard about CRT. Can't they feel? Yes. They have feelings. I have feelings at the tip of my toe, too, when I stub it against the the bedpost and stuff. But no one's talking about anyway. it. Okay, so then we talked about CRT being critiqued by a parent. And then your first story was? Um, my, oh, yeah, the, the guy caught on Zoom. Oh, yes, the masturbation yes. of the yes. All very... Um, very disheartening. The trends in society are towards more debauchery, more um, authoritarianism, and more ideological poison. And so we hope that you guys in your own little way, whether with your grandchildren or your children or your nieces and nephews or brothers and sisters or even your parents, that you uh, show them a light Show them a light away from debauchery, a light away from ideological poison, and show them that the future is unironically a return to the past. Let's let's end on let's, a positive note please. here. I've got the COVID deaths for today. Okay. The five raw numbers, five. In England, mm. one in Scotland, one in Wales. But so we're but we're the only UK We're only one only variant away. Seven deaths. We're only one variant Today. away from getting back so, to thousands dying a day. So let's do but it we positively. Save the NHS. Positively. Save the NHS. <laughs> save it. Clap. Positively. Please clap. 
it seems like whatever, you know, things are looking good, right? Things are looking good, but they were always good. Yeah, that's the truth. Um, based on rates. Uh, so. If you guys have not, go get that book, A State of Fear by Laura Dodsworth. She shows you how the UK government has manipulated their facts and figures um, to put fear in you, in you. And if you are really afraid of what's going on in the world about this virus, you don't need to be. And you can have that curtain, you know, opened. Mm. You can see the wonderful Wizard of Oz and what he's been doing behind there. Yes. And realize that you don't need to be so fearful. Yeah. Government is the Wizard of Oz and COVID itself is the Wizard of Oz. If people would just stand up and assert their rights, their God-given rights to freedom, then we would be in a different place. Let's stage a demasking uh, flash mob somewhere. Yeah, we someday. were thinking, because we were in Southampton, that we would like it if we all met up and just took our masks off at the same time. Yeah, like a, a group, group of like 50, 60 people go into them. Played the song by... Um, maybe play God Save the Queen and we take our masks off and sing. How incredible would that be? On that note, thanks folks for watching live on YouTube. And thanks for listening, podcast listeners. And we'll get this next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye guys.